Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number 11 will open up. The Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Uh, I do respect the context of this passage. Uh, that he's, uh, if my understanding is correct, speaking to the nation of Israel and his promises concerning their future. I'm aware of that, but I also believe that the Bible teaches us that the Old Testament in all of its entirety, as well as the New Testament, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So what you've got to ask yourself is, even though this may have been addressed to a different audience, how is it profitable to us? If the Bible says it's profitable, then what profit can we gain from these truths. Well, I do believe there's a principle here that we can learn from this verse in that I believe for all of God's children, all of God's people, uh, he has thoughts of peace and not of evil to give us. Uh, the King James Bible says an expected end. That means that God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. Amen. And then in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 5, the Bible says, Before I formed thee in the belly... I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God speaking to Jeremiah here, but let me ask you a question. If God formed Jeremiah in the belly, is this exclusively a truth about Jeremiah, or did he not form all of us in the belly? Can I get an Amen. And, and uh, before we came out of the womb, uh, did he not have a purpose for all of us? Now, understandably, we're not all called to be prophets to nations, but we're all put here for a purpose and a plan. Amen. So my study tonight is, uh, our series we're going to start tonight is called When Destiny Calls. When Destiny Calls, because God has a specific destination in mind for you and we call it destiny amen it's a big word simply means that God has a specific destination in mind for each and every one of us now the interesting thing about God is he knows a whole lot more about that than we do amen uh, he gives us information on an as need to know basis if you don't need to know it he won't tell you and he does that for various reasons. He told one of the prophets, I forget what was it, Habakkuk, he said, I'm going to do work so huge and so magnificent, something like that, I'm paraphrasing, that you wouldn't believe it if I told you. And so I think God, the reason, a lot of times he holds information from us is because we wouldn't believe him if he told us. Why would he tell us? Why, we, why would he want us to doubt him more than we already do? So, amen, he's going to keep it simple for us right <laughs> keep it simple i knew somebody was going to say it <laughs> god's going to keep it simple for us because uh, we are finite humans serving an infinite god amen uh but god has a specific destination in mind and you need to remember that so i want to answer the question in this series how do we respond to destiny's call how do we respond to destiny's call so point number one let's labor this for a few minutes and this is what we'll be delving into tonight number one you need to identify your purpose now notice that i did not say determine your purpose 
we Americans especially were told growing up, or at least I was, in America you can be anything you want to be. And though that there may be some measure of truth to that uh, in terms of maybe career choice, college choice, that kind of thing, uh, truly, if you're a Christian, you can't just do anything you want to do. You've got to figure out why God put you here. Amen. And God didn't leave us to our own devices to figure that out. There's a recipe. It's called search and find. Amen. Seek me and you shall find me. You know, uh, if you haven't found it yet, then you haven't sought enough yet. Well, I've sought and I couldn't find, so I quit searching. You quit too soon. Amen. You got to seek him. And so we got to identify our purpose. Uh, we got to figure out why God put us here. So give me, let me give you a couple of scriptures. Romans chapter 11 and verse 29. The Bible says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Notice there's two words in this verse I want to point out. There are gifts and there is a calling. You see that? Gifts and calling. And they're both without repentance. That means God is not going to change his mind about what he puts you here for right he's not going to change his mind that's what the word repentance means i believe in that context if i'm not mistaken uh now here's what i want to say about that first with what are you gifted this is an important question we're talking about identifying your purpose amen some people are very gifted at certain things you may have a talent you may have resources you may uh, and when i'm talking about gifts i'm not just talking about like things that you're particularly good at, but maybe even opportunities that you have or the influence that you have or resources that you have available for the kingdom of God. Amen. These can all be gifts, not only the things that you can do, but the things that you can contribute, whether it be time or treasure or talent or what have you. Amen. Uh, but everybody has a gift. Everybody has at least one gift. Read your Bible. Amen. God gives a gift to everybody. Now, it's your job to seek the Lord and find out, okay, God, what do I have that you can use for your glory and your honor? Amen? Now, I can't do that for you. The Holy Spirit may reveal something to me one day about you, and I may uh, call it out in you and help you identify it, solidify it, but deep down inside, you probably already have some hints, and you probably already know what, you're, what you gravitate toward naturally, and sometimes God puts that bend in you. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, if you study that, he's talking about turning up a child in the way he is bent, the way he is naturally gifted and talented. It's, it's much broader than just the concept of raising them church, in church, though that is important. Amen? But you can raise a child in church for 18 years and never help them cultivate their specific gift set, and they still can't figure out what they're supposed to do with their life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So it's, it's why parents are important. That's why Satan wants to attack the family unit. So the mom and daddy are not there to help that child figure out what their gifts are, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, what they could make the biggest contribution to society with and the biggest contribution to the kingdom of God with. Right? And so you've got to figure out what you're gifted to do. Amen? Look at this Bible verse, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 16. A man's gift maketh room for him, 
and bringeth him before great men. You see that? A man's gift maketh room for him. In other words, God puts something in you to draw out of you to make a contribution to the kingdom of God. Everybody has something that they can do for God. Amen? And so, not only do you need to answer the question, what are you gifted at? But you also need to answer the question, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? You want Bible for it? It's in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. To whom, excuse me, speaking of Jesus here. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. Did you know that Christ was passionate? You know who he is passionate about? You? Me? Still mind-blowing. I can't get over that. That he would be passionate. So passionate, in fact, that he would die a cruel death on the cross. Now that's love, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? Jesus did, while he was on earth, what he was passionate about. And I believe that there's a reason that certain people have certain passions. I believe God put them there. Now, you've got to be careful with this, though, because unguided flesh can be passionate about a lot of the wrong things. Can I get an amen? Right, so we're not talking about wild, loose, and unrestrained passion. We're talking about passions within the confinements of Scripture, within the definition of what God's will is for your life. What can you get excited about doing for God? Amen? And, and this could look like any number of things depending upon what your interests are, what your likes are, uh, what you gravitate towards. And, and everybody has things they hate to do and everybody has things they like doing. And, and you can pray and ask God to show you how to take the thing that you really enjoy doing and do it with passion and do it for the kingdom of God. What's the name of that gentleman that came through a few months or a few weeks ago that was a fisherman? And uh, we, we haven't booked him to come yet. He was going to have him with, at the Brotherhood. I can't remember his name. He's passionate about, what, who is it? That's all right. Y'all know who I'm talking about. He's passionate about fishing. And then he used that passion to use it as an opportunity to be a witness. See what I'm talking about? That's one thing. One, one, one of many examples. Uh, some people are passionate at, at uh, I think Miss Peggy's passionate about uh, antiques, things like that. Am I right? And, uh, and I have no doubt that every chance you get while you're out and about, as you meet people, that you try to be a witness, you try to invite people to church, you know, use that passion. And while it presents opportunities, you can use it for the glory of God. You see what I'm saying? Very passionate about your veterans. That's right. Amen. Amen. And, and there's a reason God put that in you. And you're a bright spot in that area. And, and that, those are examples. Uh, You've got to ask yourself, though, what am I gifted at? What am I passionate about? I have determined in my life that there's nothing that I'm more passionate about than preaching. Uh, amen. I'm not really good at a whole lot of other things. And I'm not even claiming that I'm good at preaching. But I sure do have a good time trying. Amen. And, and at least I'm very passionate with it. And uh, some people tell me I'm gifted at it. To God be the glory if that's the case. But you've got to find out, amen, what cranks your fire. Because I don't believe God put you here to be miserable. I believe God put you here to enjoy serving him. Amen? And so what are you passionate about? Um, so let me, uh, let me say it this way. If you answer these two questions, what are you gifted at? What, if you're, what are you passionate about? I believe you just may be looking at your calling. I want you to think about that. Amen? 
Your gifts and callings work together like oars. Think about it this way. Uh, your gifts facilitate your calling, right? Uh, David, for example, was called to slay Goliath. He was gifted with a slingshot. He coupled his gift with his call and did a great thing for God. See what I'm saying? God, uh, uh, let's see, Moses was called to deliver uh, Israel out of Egyptian bondage. He was gifted with a rod and with God. And that's all he had, right? And he went and said, Pharaoh, let my people go. And you know the story. It was, it's, it's a little bit lengthier than what I'm abbreviating tonight. But at the end of the day, he used his gift because God said, what is in your hand? And he said, it's a rod. And you remember the story. He threw it to the ground, turned into a snake. God said, grab it by the tail, turn back into a rod. He said, with this rod, you will do wonders. What do you have in your hand and what do you have in your heart? I mean, if you couple those two, your gifts and your call, they work together like the oars. If, you, if you're only working with one oar, you're just going to go around in what? Circles. Amen. What good is your calling if you don't use your gift to facilitate it? Right? So you got to couple those two. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Talking about when destiny calls, how do we respond? Let me say this. Don't just settle for what you're good at. Settle for what you're gifted at. Amen? Uh, because so many people spend a lot of their time doing things that they're just miserable doing. And, and, and I understand there are seasons in life where life is going to be hard and life is going to be difficult. Many people have to work many years doing a job they absolutely hate. And sometimes you can't avoid that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being impractical. But I'm giving you uh, something to shoot for, something to look for, something to pray for, something to strive for. Um, I've spent time working in places that uh, many days I just didn't enjoy it at all. But I had no other option. And I believe God put me there. So sometimes you have to walk in obedience and do things that you don't like if you're answering your call because your call comes first, whether you're enjoying it or not. Amen? So th th this, is not a, this is not to say that if you do in the will of God, you're always going to be happy and everything's going to be easy and you're just going to have the time of your life every day. Like that. That's not what I'm saying. But you do need to be aware that God puts certain things in your heart and mind and life if there, it's a constant force and a constant drive pulling you in a certain direction, you need to pay attention to that because that may be God trying to stir you to do something in that area that nobody else can do. And so you've got to go to God and talk to him about it and ask him about it. Amen. Don't just settle for what you're good at. Settle for what you're gifted at. And also, I want to say this. Your gifts, if stirred up, will aid you in fulfilling God's call for your life. Here's a scripture verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And verses 6 through 7. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now, I'll read more in a minute. If I had, and I, I wish I thought about this earlier, I'd put, something, I'd put some salt on the bottom of this. Uh, if I had some salt in here and I hadn't stirred it up yet, you could see it settled in the bottom, right? Uh, and all you got to do to stir it up is just basically create a little, you know, get, get some momentum going. If you had a stir stick, you could get it down in there. Uh, but when you look at the scripture, stirring up the gift of God, it in indicates that your gift can get settled 
and stagnant. Are you, are you following me? It can get to where it, it's unused and therefore ineffective because what's not being used is ineffective. We, we run this machine back here to clean the air, but if it's not plugged up and running, it's doing nobody any good collecting dust, right? Your gift is the same way. You have to stir it up. It's not just going to automatically pop out of you. It's not going to just automatically kick in the gear. You've got to stir it up. So he said, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up. Don't wait for somebody else to stir you up to do something for God. That's what's wrong with a lot of Christians. They're waiting on the, uh, a spiritual cheerleader to motivate them to do something for God. Well, I, I, I tell you what, if I had a good preacher, I'd do more for God. But I tell you what, he bores me to death. I hear people talk about stuff like that all the time. Listen, you don't need to let nobody determine whether or not you're serving God. If you have a passion for Jesus, stir it up yourself and don't wait on somebody else to either uh, either uh, fan your flame or promote you or endorse you. Amen? Stir up your gift. Don't wait on somebody else to tell you that you can do it or you should do it. Right? You've got to be self-motivated. That's, that's, this, that's right there. Thou stir up the gift of God, right? That's what he's saying. Now watch verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. But a power and of love and of a sound mind. It's no coincidence that he addresses the spirit of fear right after he talks about the need to stir up the gift of God. Because what is the biggest thing that people are often afraid of? The call that's on their life. There are people today, right now, that have not surrendered to preach yet because they're scared to death to get up in front of people. There are people right now that won't volunteer to do something in the church because they're afraid they'll mess something up. Fear has gripped their soul. But the Bible says God did not give you that spirit. If you have a call and you have a gift and there's fear shutting it down, guess who's giving you that fear? It's not God. Amen. God has not given you that spirit of fear, but God gives you the spirit of power and love and the sound mind that means god will equip you and god has already equipped you have you ever heard this phrase uh, god doesn't call the equipped but he equips the called amen so if he called you you say you say well i, I just don't I, I can't do that well just join the, li the line of people that made excuses that God used anyway. I mean, we, we've already mentioned Moses. He's like, God, I have a stuttering problem. And I try to mimic his stutter, but we ain't got time for that. Amen. We ain't got time for that. But you see my point? And, and God's like, next problem? Well, you got Aaron. He can speak for you. What else you got? You know, God don't take your excuses. He don't accept your excuses. He knowed what you was made of before you ever... Do you think you really think Moses was informing God of something God did not know? Right? Do you think that you're informing God of something that he didn't think of when he said, do this? You think God is so, uh, you, th <laughs> you think God is, it, uh, misses things as easily as you and I do? Oh, yeah, well, I can't call them. I forgot they, they have this problem. Or they, they have, never mind, I'll go find somebody else. Do you think God's like that? No, God's fully aware of every problem you have, every tendency you have, every propensity you have, every weakness you have, and he calls you anyway. 
Because he's not relying on you. He's relying on you to rely on him. Amen. You got to stir it up and you got to get past the fear factor. Amen. We did a fear factor challenge with the kids last night. I say we. They did. I sit in the back as far away as I could from it all. <laughs> but we got pictures, right? Don't be afraid to do what God's calling you to do, right? And, and I want you to look at this. Uh, even as Paul is calling out the gift in young Timothy, the Holy Spirit is calling out the gift in each of us. He is calling us to our destiny. That is his destination that he has in mind for each of us. He is pressing us to operate in our gifts and our calling. And that brings me to another thought. I didn't point this out earlier, but that scripture where it talks about the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Notice that there are the gifts is plural. The calling is singular. You have one calling and you will have every gift you need to fulfill it. Amen. You have one primary purpose. Now, ultimately, we can generically say, well, we're all here to glorify God. And that's true. But it gets more specific than that for each individual. And if you want proof, let's look at some scripture real quick. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. And this is a, a list of things. The Bible says, And God has set some in the church, first apostles. And I, I've got this broke down and defined as I, I, I pulled up some of the, uh, the, the Greek words and their definitions. I didn't put, actually paste the Greek word up here, but I did paste the meaning of the Greek word from which we get the word for example apostles and the definition that came from the greek word is an ambassador of the gospel uh, when you think of an ambassador as some a representative of a foreign country right yeah if you're an ambassador of the united states in a foreign land you represent the united states well guess what we're strangers and foreigners and we are ambassadors of the king of kings and lord of lords right and god has put apostles that is ambassadors of the gospel in his church that are gifted and called specifically to the assignment. And another way to define an apostle is someone uh, who goes and preaches the gospel, who is sent to a region that has never heard of the gospel before, never heard the gospel, to start a new work, right? Uh, that's a specific gift and calling. Another one, uh, secondarily, prophets. And oh, we Baptists get afraid of these words. But it's in the Bible, so we're going to preach it, right? Uh, secondarily prophets uh, is defined as a foreteller uh, uh, you know you, you, there's two two ways you can look at the word prophet in the old testament they could actually tell the future under the inspiration of the holy spirit and come to pass right and god's not lost the ability or power to do that today by the way amen he can still speak through a man uh, a prophetic word it would not be uh, adding to the canon of scripture mind you if that were to happen and it would not contradict scripture if that were to happen uh but the primary thing i want you to focus on here with the the prophet is uh and uh, a divinely inspired speaker someone who speaks under the inspiration of the holy spirit we in the baptist world prefer to call it preachers amen uh you may not think of me as a prophet but when i stand up and tell you that jesus is coming soon and in, say if you repent, you will all likewise perish. I just prophesied according to the scripture. You see what I'm saying? 
And so you can look at it that way if you struggle with that, all right? Thirdly, teachers. Now, I love this because it implies an instructor. Uh, and you know there as many as many schools of thought, uh, there are as many different subjects as there are you have teachers for each and every subject uh, that are specific to that particular subject. Amy's a math teacher, right? Uh, some of you are teachers. How many other teachers we got? Raise your hand. Uh, what, 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 what did you teach? Te- all right, we got a social studies teacher. Elementary school. Elementary school. So each of you had your own specific and unique qualification and subject that you could teach well right uh and this is telling us that god puts people in the church that can dig deeper into some of the uh some of the subjects and issues that the bible uh speaks about to help us get a deeper understanding at at, at different levels right uh it references a doctor or a master or a teacher so those are different even different degrees of of qualifications of the teacher itself uh, and so you can be a teacher uh, that has a four-year degree or a teacher that has a six-year degree, or you can be, have a doctorate degree, you know, and God can use all of you. And you can be a teacher that don't have a degree, but you've got a lot of life experience, and you can teach people a lot of things that school would never teach you, right? Can I get an amen? Uh, so uh, what can you do? Uh, many of you have the gift of teaching, and maybe uh, God could use you in the church to start a class. Pray about it. Seek the Lord about it. He may open that door for you if you're willing to explore it. Amen. After that, miracles. Oh, another term we get afraid to go off in left field with, right? Uh, you know, all of these, I, I like to have a little fun with these. Uh, I don't think y'all have a problem with these. Amen. Uh, I, I believe that God's a miracle working God. Can I get an amen? And, and I don't believe that men work the miracles, but I believe that God can use uh, God can work the miracle through an obedient servant of his, right? Uh, and so what we do is we speak the word, and the word has the power to transform the life. It's really the word of God that does all the work. But there are people that are uniquely gifted and called for God to use them to witness miraculous works of God in their ministry. And that, I believe, still happens. Just because we may not always see it, don't mean it doesn't happen. You can go to third world countries where they don't have nothing, but just about, uh, they don't have nothing but Jesus. And they don't have a doctor to go to, right? In fact, the only doctor they have is a witch doctor, which is full of the devil. So either they believe God for healing or they die. And a lot of times they experience miracles of healing because they actually have no option but to trust God. And because they trusted God, God honored his word. You know? and, uh, but some people have enough faith, and that's their being, that's their focus. That's what God has put them on the planet to do, is to invoke faith in others. Uh, because I want to back up one. I just want to illustrate a point. Notice that word right there, after that, miracles. After what? Back up. After teachers, after preachers or prophets, after apostles. After the word of God is being taught and preached thoroughly and the word of God sown into the hearts of men, what faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. After the word of God is preached, taught, prophesied, whatever you want to call it, then miracles take place. Where is the miraculous power at? Is it in the people or is it in the word of God that's being taught? See, when we believe the word of God, that's when miracles take place. And we've actually seen miracles. 
In fact, it's a miracle that I'm standing here tonight. Amen. Y'all don't know all my story. I've just told you some of it. But I believe that God does that. And I believe that there are certain people that God puts it on their heart to believe him for big things. And God honors that kind of faith. So think about that. Gifts of healing. Same thing. Uh, I got to move fast. I don't want, I'm not deliberately rushing through these because I'm scared of it. I just got to get through this. Helps. Here's something I want to focus on. Uh, you may say, well, I, I'm not really good at any one thing, but I sure am good at helping people. Well, praise God, there's a gift that's actually labeled right there in the Word of God just for you. Isn't that wonderful? So uh, that's, that's the, uh, who was it? Uh, you, Miss Sherry. She, she told me this morning, she said, I'm going to show up and I'm available as a floater, she said. Well, that's a ministry of helps. Amen. Where do you need me at? I'll help any way I can. And many of you have come to me and said the exact same thing. And, and that's really uh, a place where we can discover where our strengths are by making ourselves available anywhere that needs help. And then after you volunteered enough and showed up enough, you notice you'll gravitate, toward, gravitate towards something that you really enjoy or that you're really gifted at and God can use you. But you'll never discover that if you're not willing to put yourself out there, right? So ministry of helps. And by the way, we, we need a lot of help around here. <laughs> Amen. And uh, ministries of governments. Uh, this means to steer. The word pilotage basically implies... Uh, uh, like a pilot, uh, either of a ship, or you could think of a, we, we think of in context of a, a pilot that uh, flies an airplane, uh, but ships have pilots. Uh, figuratively, it's a directorship, or someone that directs the direction of a ship, right? In other words, uh, the ability to help things run smoothly. Uh, we call it administration, right? We call it leadership. We call it management. We, they've got several different names for it. And some people are really good at organizing. I'm not. Amen. Uh, maybe it's uh, maybe it's because I'm too busy and I just I miss too many things, or maybe it's just because I get too distracted. I don't know which. Maybe it's a little combination of the both. But you know where I could use some help? Gift of government. Somebody that's good at planning things. I, I'm praying right now. God will send me a, an events coordinator that can coordinate an event in such a way that we won't miss a single thing. I'm not that person. I'll give it my best, but I'm going to miss one or two things just about every time. Amen. <laughs> There's going to be something I'm like, oh, man, I forgot. or Oh, man, I, I didn't think about that. But some people are just really gifted in that area. By the way, if you are interested in helping uh, coordinate future church events, come talk to me after church, and we'll, get, we'll give you a, a part-time job volunteer job <laughs> working for the church <laughs> yes amen <laughs> where's margaret when i need her i, I could have got a good amen from her tonight <laughs> amen gifts of government diversities of tongues by implication a language specifically one naturally unacquired it's an interesting definition isn't it well isn't that just exactly what happened on the day of pentecost you know uh baptist don't need to be afraid of this one either uh, it really i think at the heart of hearts the gift of tongues is given to overcome communication barriers that's its primary purpose now you're going to get a kick out of this i was thinking about this earlier today we always think of it in terms of the actual context of scripture where they actually preached across literal language barriers 
But how many of you know you can be a southerner and go north and you need the gift of tongues to preach to them Yankees? Can I get an amen? <laughs> yep, that's right. If I, as a southerner, preach to you as a Yankee and you get it, that had to be the Holy Ghost. Amen? That had to be the And I'm not making light of this, but I, what I, the point I want to make is God can give you the gift of communication that overcomes barriers that would typically prohibit the hearer from uh, receiving and understanding what it is that you're sharing with them. It could be something as simple as, as, simple as a hang-up or a, or a thought that they have that's led them the wrong way, and the Holy Spirit gives you just the right word that tears down that barrier so they open up their understanding and their willingness to hear what you've got to say. Gift of tongues, diversities of tongues. And, and, and I, you know, just for the record, uh, I'm a practical preacher in this area. Uh, I have never needed the gift of tongues in a literal sense because I've always preached to English-speaking people. But if God were to call me to go somewhere and I didn't naturally acquire or learn that language, I would have to pray and see if God wouldn't give me the supernatural ability to preach to them or at least give them the supernatural ability, uh, supernatural ability to hear it in their language. Do I believe God can still do that? I absolutely do. Do I believe I've got enough faith to, to, to realize that in my own ministry? I kind of doubt myself, uh, but I don't doubt God. Amen. I'm not one of these preachers going to say God, eh, God, God never, he'll never use that again. I, I, I can't say God won't do that. But what I can say is I want you to look at the bigger picture here, how this can apply to us, even if we all talk to English-speaking people. God can help you, mama, daddy, grandpa, speak to teenagers and get across to them in a language they can understand. How many of you ever felt like it was trying? To, it was like talking to an alien. You, talk, you know what I'm talking about? It's like they have a different lingo, a different language, a different f philosophy of life. Uh, and, and literally the Holy Spirit can teach you how to communicate effectively to them regardless of the, the generational gap. So there's some practical ways that you can pray for that. Amen. Uh, so we could, we could have another class on that another day. Uh, but here's where I'm leading to. Are all apostles, y'all answer these out loud, are all apostles, nope, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. The point is, God don't give everybody every gift. So don't worry about it if you haven't experienced something that you see somebody else over there operating in a gift and you're like, I sure wish I was as spiritual as they are. You may be every bit as spiritual, more spiritual than them. What God has gifted you to use has, has nothing to do with how spiritual you are. I'm very weary of these people that use their quote-unquote gifts of the Spirit as bragging rights. You hear what I'm saying? If you're using it as bragging rights, you've missed the whole boat. Because the Holy Spirit points you to Jesus, not himself or you. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I've seen people uh, get up and speak in tongues, and it was a whole show. It was just to make people think that they got it, and they hooked up to Jesus. And baby, until you speak in tongues, you ain't as spiritual or as close to God as they are. And that is a complete twist of Scripture. Complete twist of Scripture. Uh, your gift has nothing to do with how spiritual in fact 
the fact that God has to give you a gift to equip you to serve him shows you just how inadequate you actually are without him. If anything, your gift shows you how weak you are. Amen? If you have a limp and you need a crutch to walk, does that show you that you're strong or that you're weak and need assistance? All right, what do you think a gift is? It's a spiritual crutch to help us weak, feeble human beings get through the frailties of self to do something for God. It's not a sign of your spiritual superiority. It's a sign of the fact that we all need Jesus. We all need his help. We all, that's, why he's, and that's why he's gracious, and that's why he gives it to us. We can't earn it. It's a gift. The same grace it took to save you, the same grace he's going to have to use to give you something to glorify him with. And so we, we try to use bragging rights. Look, just because God called me to preach don't mean I'm any more spiritual than you are. Absolutely not. He just gave me a gift and called me to do it. But he could have just as easily picked somebody else. So don't, don't be comparing, one, comparing yourselves with one another. I, I wish I had their gift. I wish I had this. Quit wishing you was everybody else and start figuring out who you are. And be content with what God's calling you to do. As long as you're comparing yourself to other people, you'll never discover what God could do with you. I want you to focus on you and God and not everybody else. You can celebrate everybody else. You can rejoice when God uses them. But find out how God can use you and be happy with whatever it is. Amen. I'm just glad to be listed. I'm just, I'm just glad that my name's written in heaven, actually. That the fact that I'm even saved and going to heaven is a miracle in and of itself. I, amen. Just that I'm numbered with the few, right? So that's the attitude we've got to have. So look at this. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Does anybody know what the more excellent way is? What is this leading into? What, we, we have a name for this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. What is the chapter? The love chapter. Right? What is the more excellent way to love? Here's my point. Regardless of what we all have or don't have in terms of gifts, we all can and should love. Absolutely, and he goes into that. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And, and you can go down to the list in First Corinthians 13. We don't have time tonight. But at all, the foundation of it all is love. If you don't know where to start, just love people where they are with what you have. And it'll just unfold, and you'll start figuring out what God put you here for. Isn't that wonderful? Starts with love. Amen. And some of you... <laughs> I can't resist. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> Amen. Listen, fall in love with Jesus, and ask Jesus to help you fall in love with people. Amen. If you'll do that, you'll figure out exactly what God wants you to do.